Welcome to Healthcare 2030. This program features conversations and interviews with respected healthcare industry experts discussing the latest topics regarding current issues today and the future of healthcare, innovation, and technology. To learn more about OxioHealth, head over to oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io. Now here's your host, Noel Guillama. Welcome to Healthcare 2030. My name is Noel Guillama, and I'm the chairman of Oxio Health Incorporated, a Florida-based healthcare platform company that combines services technology to advance healthcare for patients. I'd like to introduce Carl Larson, who's the COO of Oxio Health. Well, good afternoon, Noel. It's good to be here. Um, these three pillars uh, that we've been talking about are quite interesting. Well, that's a good point, Carl, um, and hopefully our, our listeners have, uh, have received that, that um, the first uh, set of, of this series of podcasts uh, was really around the physicians and the problems physicians have been having. Um, what we see is sort of uh, much more of the integration, the consolidation of the physicians, uh, certainly the drive, the overwhelming drive, uh, towards managed care, and maybe maybe that'll be the subject of a future podcast. Uh, in particularly, our our expertise was is Medicare Advantage. Um, then the uh, the second one we talked about real estate, why real estate was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, uh, I've been talking recently to, to people about this: is the companies that have been transformative um, in other industries. There was usually a real estate component. There was a physicality mm-hmm. because as humans, it's physicality. Even when you think about companies like. Like Amazon, their distribution centers, are, you know, it's a physicality. Uh, it, it's fundamental to what they do. Their their data centers, AWS, is physicality. Even though we talk about it sort of being in the cloud, that cloud is actually anchored in some real estate somewhere in the world. It, it may not be nearby, but it's still in the world. So we talked about in the last uh, ending of the last podcast, we were going to talk about technology. And technologies both you know, opportunities, challenges, um, maybe some failures in in, in technology and healthcare, um, and uh, maybe what the future could look like. So, what what do you think about that? Well, I think I think that's good. I think we're going to get through that first part. I think we may end up uh, holding over the future for the next podcast because uh, there's a lot to cover right now. And as you as you were saying in the first two podcasts. It's interesting how they interrelate, and the real estate and physicality. I mean, we can't get away from that because we're we're sentient beings. We we are located somewhere, so we we have that innate desire to have a location. The interesting thing is the way that these three pillars are interrelated, and the way that technology, at least as we see it, is needing to be interwoven into both of those two pillars. So, so before I, we get too further, I, I, I just finished a very interesting conversation on, on Clubhouse, which is a, a a social platform. And in the conversation, I basically said that healthcare doesn't need any more technology. And um, I got some pushback on that, which is very interesting because I didn't specify it enough. So let's talk about what that means, what we're meaning in this context. In the context of, 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 of this listener, they were talking about technology like MRI, MRIs, ultrasounds, you know, 
DNA, all, all of this sophisticated technology that we have in healthcare, which is really mind-boggling. The, the way we could see into a human um, could not have been dreamed of. I mean, you know, even um, even things like, uh, you know, watching science fiction could not forecast our ability to go in and see all the organs and all of the things that in an MRI or a CAT scan it does. So when we use the word technology in the in these podcasts, we're talking about information technology. We're talking about the communication between the, let's say the government, the insurance company, insurance company, the provider, the provider and the patient. And then that, that, that sort of big bucket of information technology, which includes, by the way, the EMRs, uh, PHRs, billing platforms, credentialing platforms. So anything that, that is really not touching the patient, sort of either an invasive, you know, robotics, by the way, is another type of technology you could mm-hmm. say is amazing. That, that's not what we're talking about. When we use the word technology in this podcast, and, and like I say, saying that the, the value of integrating technology in healthcare, we're speaking from an information technology perspective, okay? Not from a, you know, the technology of diagnostics, whether it's, you know, whether it's passive or invasive, right? Right. right. So it's, just wanted to clear that yeah, up. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And it's about information and data. Right. Yep. So one of the things that, 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 that we can address is sort of look at, at, at technology sort of from the highest level. Um, and if you want, we can talk about the government, for example, and the government's basics of how it processes technology. Um, there was a very uh, uh, famous billionaire that actually ran for president. You remember Ross Perot? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that most of our listeners will never know his name. Devils, in, devil's in the detail. But he was he was a um, he was a, a, a very uh, very successful entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and he created uh, systems that basically automated what is today Medicare. Right, ADP. Uh, ADP. Um, Automated data processing, I think Mm -hmm. was good for us. And and, and he created these systems, and they were, at the time, revolutionary. Um, And sometimes it feels like sometimes Medicare is still using ADP. Um, And... uh, um, and uh, and and I so want to say something, but I'm, I'm going to hold my tongue. So, the, so we can look at the government, how the government processes data, and how it handle, ha- receives bills, for example, on Medicare, um, and that's sort of a part of a component. Uh, on the private side, you have incredibly sophisticated technology companies or healthcare companies that have become technology companies, um, which is like you know United Healthcare. United Healthcare is a very interesting company um, because United Healthcare is an insurer, um, the largest insurer in the United States. It is also a provider of care through its Optum, mm-hmm. um, the largest provider of care. And it recently acquired a company called Change Healthcare, which is one of the largest uh, uh, tech- healthcare technology IT information processing company in, in the United States that handles billions of transactions, um, whether it's pre-authorization or literally billing collections, claims, all kinds of things. So it's very, that's a very interesting company. So you have tech, you have payers that have had to become much more technology driven um, in their communication with their providers, uh, in the communication with patients, patient portals, benefits, that's becoming a really big deal. So it's not just when we talked about EMR in the past podcast about the patient portal, 
Now you technically have, you know, and this is a problem now because I have too much information. You have access to the patient can have a portal at their primary care doctor, which is one platform. They can have it at their specialty, specialist doctor, which is another platform. They can have it at the hospital, which is usually generally one of three systems, Epic, Cerner, and Meditech. And they can have it at the insurance company, whether it's the, the big ones are Blue Cross and Blue Shield, United Healthcare, uh, Centene, um, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is the information is there's so much information that most consumers, including myself, I'm not going through all that data. There's just there's just too many places to look at it. It it, it almost reminds me of you know television channels. Just too many channels. You can't see it all at the same time. So we uh, we believe and that there is going to be an aggregation and consolidation of the data. So you got the government, you've got private insurance companies, or, you know, um, they could be for-profit or non-profit, by the way, because most of the Blue, Blue Cross and Blue Shield plans are non-profit. And then you get into sort of what I call sort of the big kahuna in the deal, which are the hospitals. The hospitals, other than the government, has more information than practically anywhere else. First of all, they have huge systems. Again, going back to Cerner, um, Epic. Epic, and Meditech. Yep. The, the challenge with that is that, by definition, most of the data, not all the data, because many of them also have primary care um, uh, physicians that work for the hospital, but most of the care, the, the bulk, if you want to call it by, by size, of the, the information that's held at the hospital is acute care. Mm-hmm. Which is you know it's life saving. It's 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 a big serious episode that could not be treated at a primary care, especially right. urgent care. They went to the hospital. Right. That data has a lot of value, okay, but it is not as valuable as the acute care of the patient. Okay. Like for example, if you if if someone goes see a new cardiologist, it is much more valuable to get the data from the previous cardiologist and the previous primary care, then it gets to the hospital data. Right. And because the hospital obviously have more money, more resources, more size, their their data is is much more accessible. Right. The question is how valuable is it? Well, it's all about change, isn't it? It's all about having baseline information on an individual just like your car. Uh, you, you pull into the dealership, the dealership plugs the car in, it plugs into a manufacturer's system and it knows what the baseline of every system in that car should be and looks at the differential. Um, and <clears throat> and that's, what, <laughs> that's how they tell you how much they're going to charge you. But, um, you know, the same thing holds true, though, when it comes to us and balancing then that, that acute care from the hospitals, that's a, that's a silo of data that never really effectively crosses over into the baseline data that the primary care physician right. has. And, and if you're looking at the long term, the baseline data is much more important. It is. Um, and I'm not, we're not a doctor, but we've seen the way the value is. Right. So you've got a lot of technology, and and, and particularly with the Affordable Care Act and the High Tech Act, uh, the government gave some incentives and, and removed barriers for the hospitals to help the doctors basically connect the EMRs mm-hmm. um, and, and have much more uh, intercommunication. For the most part, it didn't work. For the more part, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked, no. Right now, there is a tremendous drive for interoperability, and we talked about it probably ad nauseum mm-hmm. uh, during these, these podcasts, 
is a government's drive. The idea is let's get everybody on the platform that could talk to each other using HL7 and the FIRE protocol. And every time I talk to doctors, they're generally, their eyes glaze over and they, they basically admit, okay, after a drink or two, that they have already too much data. They, they have too much information. Yeah. As far as that technology, they, they, they need better quality information, they need more processing. We've talked before, before about machine learning and AI. Those are pretty good tools. But the reality is, is no matter how much technology we put into health, again, information technology we put into healthcare, the choke point is still the physician. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying we have to give that physician a lot more resources, okay? Because they can't use all the resources they have. So let's talk about physicians. So you've had literally at one point, you probably had 2,000 EMR platforms. Then it went down to 1,000. Then it went down to 500. Um, my latest guess would be probably a couple of hundred, maybe less, um, maybe a lot less that are sort of MU3 certified because the government has increased the standard over time. So now the doctors have much more sophisticated EMR platforms. They could do a lot more things. But when I talk to the doctors, other than prescriptions, um, some of the stuff isn't really very valuable. And I remember I went to a um, my primary care and he was using our platform and all of a sudden the alerts come up and Carl I gotta tell you I got a little freaky because <laughs> the alerts are coming up I don't remember all the alerts for all the reasons but the alerts are coming up and he's and he's pressing dismiss 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 and I'm sitting there not as a technologist to help design this platform you're the patient I'm no. not the patient I'm like what if that was important <laughs> <laughs> and I guess because of, you know, repetitive, he knew, he said it wasn't important. So I, well, yeah. I took his word for it, right? Well, but it's one of those things that they're just getting yeah. too much data, too well, much it's, information. It's like, that, it's like that old joke about uh, the surgeon in the operating room that says, oops. And the patient says, wait a minute, what do you mean, oops? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I know what I mean when I say oops. What do you mean? Yeah, that's all yeah. I want to hear. So, so the doctors need more information. So one of the latest things, you know, that you could hear, especially with the really th sophisticated, you know, uh, phone companies, you know, and we, we know who they are, is that they're going to put more health data on their phones, okay? You've got watches that are really smart, um, whether whether it's the Apple Watch or the Fitbit or something. And the doctors, when you go in and you want to see it, I'm like, they don't want to see it. First of all, mm -mm. they don't want the data. They don't want to see it. They don't want to know it. It's not clear. They don't know how reliable it is. Right. It's not, you know, certified. Even if it's certified, even if it's FDA approved, they don't know. They're not going to look at a list. Here's the FDA approval seal, okay? Right. That's and great. then what's the value of that data? And more importantly, how do I get that data from your phone or your watch to my EMR? Mm -hmm. Because if it's not in my EMR, it's not it's well not documented. It's not a basis. Exactly. No. No. It's it, it can't be billed. It can't. If it's not an EMR, it didn't happen. Basically, that's the mentality of the doctors. And I literally had dinner with one a couple of days ago, and he's like saying, you know, horrible things about it. We have talked about this before. Again, so we're still at the physician level. Is it that it, there is evidence, a tremendous amount of evidence, that in fact the EMRs and the technology has led to more physician burnout, okay? Because they have more work to do. And I have this conversation with doctors, mm -hmm. and particularly our philosophy that you really have two, two opportunities. One is you go, well, maybe two and a half. One is you go more 
for uh, voice recognition, okay, and a, and a software that basically the doctor can talk to, and it, it, it takes the information. The problem is it's kind of hard to do in front of a patient. The second one that you could have, which is my personal favorite, uh, is a scribe, is someone that's in with the doctor's office, uh, which had been pretty routine over history, whether you call them a physician assistant or something, well, or an not, aide. Probably not a physician assistant, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Some, someone that helps the doctor with the patient. Right. Okay, that could then be trained to basically write either verbatim what's going on with the doctor, or in whatever style the doctor wants it have. Right, because mm-hmm. doctors can speak in in lots of acronyms and short, short you know, and, and shorten a lot of activity. Right. Um, you know, system checks mean something. Right. Um, that's my personal preference because that person is also there observing the patient mm-hmm. okay can remind the doctor can help the doctor through the process can read the doctor the chart okay or can alert to the doctor something something that's let's say important they may ask the doctor to come over and look at this chart okay and then then the 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 half a solution the two and a half of the half two and a half is what they're now becoming pretty interesting um which is basically a remote scribe which is basically a scribe that's listening, you know, over the phone or over the internet at the doctor's activity, and then they're writing it in. The reason they do that um, is because it's cheaper. Let's be realistic. You, you, you're, you're paying a third party generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a company. It could be the, even the, the, the large group. That, yeah, that, you got that labor. Could, you got benefits. You got right. You so got they all could of that. Yeah. they they could be doing sort of that that function. Um, and I talked to a very respected doctor. Certainly, I respect them, respect the community. And it says it works really well. Yeah. Um, he says the only challenge that he has is when he does a procedure, he has to, he has to do it. So he literally does it. So his compromises he uses, um, and it's very respect again, very respected doctor, very respected health system. He uses generally a remote scribe for most of the routine visits. And then he uses a voice recognition when he has to do it, um, and it's working. Okay, yeah. but 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 yeah. but when you're at this level of of specialty, they don't get the load that a primary care does, or a you know a non-invasive cardiologist uh, that gets a lot of load of patients. I mean, a sure. typical patient, the typical doctor in South Florida gets between thirty and thirty-five patients a day. That's a lot of patient flow. Right, specialist is seeing a patient for a special reason you know it's outside the the norm of what a primary care would see and so there's only limited information that that specialist likely needs to have depending on the on the patient the situation but likely needs to have as opposed to a primary who really needs to be on top of that patient what's happening all of the trends looking at the blood work looking at at past visits and so on and notes and that's a lot to that's a lot to interpret and um, and and to take into account so talking about all of these opportunities here that have been in technology um, why has it been so hard to get technology adopted into into healthcare what's going on well I, I mean I, you you talked about a couple of examples where it is and it's working but those are those are niches. Um, well, I, I think part of it is just human nature. I mean, at the end of the day, um, is we get adjusted slowly. I mean, let's think about it. You've been in technology for a long time. 
Careful. Uh, Careful. Remember, remember. Let, let me give you an example. Let me give you a really good example. You remember the first least famous, okay, um, portable handheld cellular phone. Yeah. So right. on the so on the History Channel. We call, I, have, I have no memory right, of that. Right. We called it a brick, and it was Motorola. It weighed like five pounds, and you put it next to your face, and it looked like you were you were taking a brick literally and putting it in your face, and you were communicating. And I think it had like, I had one. I think it had like a. You know, I was young, but I had it. My my, my yeah. dad's company yeah. had it. I think it had like ten phone memory, like the ten unit, ten, ten number, ten, ten number, number memory. memory. Yeah, it was all the uh, the old LEDs. Mm -hmm. um, and that was it. And honestly, if you talk for more than two minutes, it got hot. That was it. So okay. imagine, imagine if you go from that the the Motorola brick that we're talking about to the BlackBerry, the, the BlackBerry. Let's say the two thousand, right? That, that's only twenty year difference because the brick was around nineteen eighty. Okay, so two thousand, you get the BlackBerry. Imagine if you said, okay, whether to me or anybody else. Here's a brick. Here's a BlackBerry. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you had the little rollerball. Remember, you got the keyboard. I mean, that was a tremendous change in technology well, in those two data sets. Let me finish one more point. Then, 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 in seven years, eight years, mm -hmm. you had the iPhone. Yeah. And the, Siri. Well, Siri wasn't there yet. But, but the <laughs> difference between the BlackBerry. The original BlackBerry, okay, in the '90s, and the iPhone was monster, was bigger than the brick to the BlackBerry. Yeah. So what happens is, I, I read a book about with from Alan Greenspan that said that that he, that that he could not find a time in history where productivity increased more than three percent per year. Period. Right. Typical. And he said he had no scientific reason to 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 give this opinion, but his, his opinion had to be that humans could only handle so much change so fast. And therefore, the more it didn't matter the more technology you put at it, the more they couldn't do any more. There was only so much they could do. So my going on that philosophy is what happens is when, when EMRs were mandated in 2009, that you had to have it by 2012, and now you've gone from MU, MU nothing right. to MU1 to MU2 to MU3 to interoperability, okay, uh, in a little over 10 years, that, that's a lot of change. And these doctors did not, were not able to, as a class, to go take a summer or even a week off and says, I'm going to go learn about how to type and how to do this and how to do that. So I think that's part of the problem is you had too much technology too fast. And that's why it hasn't worked with physicians. Well, I yet. think there's I think there's another reason that and that is just simple reluctance on the part of of a lot of people in the medical community to update, upgrade, change. And for a lot of physicians, I think that comes down to liability. They are have got to be conscious of liability every time and and if if you're bringing in a new a, a new technology you know you're going to have to segue that in with whatever else you've you've been using until you're going to rely on that EMR is a good example I'm sure there were many many physician practices that brought the MRI in to be sort of we'll call it compliant but yet at the same time they still manage the paper side just as a cross-check 
liability. They, there's a lot of physicians today that have they almost two systems. They yeah. still use paper yeah. and use MR. And here's the yeah. problem with the physicians that makes their life miserable, okay, is when they're seeing 30 patients a day, they cannot diagnose the patients, treat the patient, and record the information. So right. what I find right. is that many physicians that I talk to, then after hours, when everybody's gone, they will sit there and try to take all of their notes and their memory and try to put that into the EMR. Right. So what happens is physicians are seeing patients for six or seven or eight hours a day. I don't know many do more than eight hours. It's a lot of work. But let's say seven hours a day. And then they're spending two, three hours, you know, when they should be doing something else. Mm-hmm entering the information into the EMR. Those clinical reports to be reading, catching up on so things that's, that are going that's, on in the, in the yeah, I that, mean. That's part of the problem where we have technology. So now, let's go to the next step. So now you've got IoT devices that, that we, you and I are very fond of in remote patient monitoring. And you got a patient that comes in and says, doctor, I had an incident that my, app, my, my Apple Watch or my iPhone said that I had this cardiac event. Mm-hmm. The doctor looks at the patient's chart, sees no history of it. There's no reason why to suspect there is. And the doctor may just ignore it. Now, I talked to a doctor and a cardiologist, and I said, all right, so give me, tell me the truth here about how many you've pursued. And I says, there's been, I think, 12 at the time that I asked him, and he hadn't really gone into it because it could have happened. Mm-hmm. And he found out at the end of the day that it either did happen, I'm not saying the technology was wrong, uh, but whatever it was, it was sort of irrelevant. It didn't matter. It was nothing. When they did all the battery of tests, whether it was a stress test or a full-blown EKG or, you know, check blood work for enzymes, nothing had happened. Right. And he said, I've done this 12 times. I'm not going to do it a 13th. Not unless there's other evidence. Right. Some right. other evidence, right. right. So what happens is when you talk about technology companies, it says, listen, we're going to invent this new gadget that does this. And it's going to report to the doctor. The doctor's eyes are going to roll over. And I'm like, how is that changing? Mm-hmm. We just sometimes, and, and this is your favorite phase, your phrase, is are, are, are we solutions looking for problems? Right. And healthcare has a lot of problems. I'm not minimizing it. But we've got to find a way to make it work for the physician. And that may mean, and that should mean, using the technology to make their lives easier. Like you, you right. talked about the mechanic. Let's think about this. Yeah. Okay. Right, right now, all modern, almost all modern cars, I don't know any that doesn't, is when you walk into a car that you're going to tell them, or to the mechanic, you're going to tell them what's wrong with it, and they may or may not listen. Like you said, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to plug into that module right under the driver's side, mm-hmm. and that module's going to give them every event that's happened. That's what he really cares about. Right. He's going to pull the codes out of the computer. Yeah, and that's, that's going it. to be, yeah. and that, that, by the way, that happens in motorcycles too, I found out. So that's, uh, that's really important. That's what the doctor wants, but he can't do that with humans. So he has to ask questions, questionnaires. So some of the things that we can use in technology, maybe the better interface, which is sort of the next point between the patient and the provider, so that the provider has better information coming in. And if you can have computers, AI, or at least machine learning, <laughs> try to qualify some of that information, okay? before the patient actually sees the doctor, now that could be very valuable. The patient is complaint. What are the patient complaints, right? It's point, it's one, two, three, four, five. The computer, or in this case, you know, machine learning, okay? Think about, you know, how 2000, right? Um, the computer's now looking at what are the patient's 
you know, his history right. based on, on, on CPT codes and DRG codes and says, okay, these could match up and then goes to the doctor. Before the doctor walks in the door, he literally pulls the chart and says, here are the patient complaints that he, he reported before he came in. Here are some of the possibility, a little bit of decision support, which all, all EMRs today have to have. Right. And, and the doctor can just throw this out the door if he wants, or he could say, Mr. or Mrs., whatever, um, the system reports that you had these these complaints. Or, is this accurate? Yeah, yeah I, well, I this one went away. I got to add this one. So the doctor, by the way, you know, every doctor I know is smart. I've never met a dumb doctor. Uh, it's just too competitive to become a doctor. Then he can refer to this system, and it might be of value. Or honestly, like I said, he could throw it away and say, the doc, you know, the patient's information is completely different to what he, they wrote the day before. Right, right. That, that happens to doctors all the time. So that that kind of solution, or if you're using IoT devices or home devices or remote devices, it would be good to get the data from their blood pressure monitor at home be processed by the system. Mm -hmm. The system would just say, we've got 10 data points over the last five days, they're all normal. That That's all the doctor needs. He doesn't need to know the exact numbers. No. He just needs to know it's normal. Or the blood glucose monitor, okay, um, spiked at these two types. Right. The doctor might look, again, I'm making it up. I don't know anything about medicine. Yeah. The doctor might look and say, hey, it both happened at 8 o'clock. What you have to eat? Yeah, you probably <laughs> ate too much, but it, it sort of, I, I don't know, but that would be the thing. Doctor's now taking data. Yeah. Because if you give the data to the doc, all this data is just too much information. The same thing could go, let's think about it, blood glucose, um, uh, heart rate, oxygen level, especially what we've all survived through through COVID is a big deal, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and, and a lot of weight is really, really important. Yeah. Again, I our philosophy has been always to look at the patient in totality, not just trying to treat symptoms, try to figure out what else can be done. Okay. So I think the interface, the most valuable interface, in my opinion, in this is between the patient and the doctor. Which, which is the way it's always been. And that's why we've had the encounter-based medicine where the patient comes in to see the doctor or in years past where... The doctor would make house calls and see the patient, but one way or another, there'd be a face-to-face -face with the with a physician. Today, that's gotten a little complicated with some of the technology, right? Well, you're right. I mean, again, one of the things that I said in this clubhouse conversation, it goes back, we have too much technology. Right. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't need the technology, is that we don't have applied technology. Yeah, there's a lot of technology out in the marketplace. It's literally sitting on a shelf because a startup created it with a really good idea, but could not get it into the system. We can talk about that maybe next time. Is how hard it is to get new technology into a hospital. That that's the buying cycle of a hospital. Okay, for a new technology is years, not months. That's years. Right. That's right. The buying cycle for a doctor could be even longer because they may not give you enough time to figure out that it really works or it can work. Sort of referrals are much more valuable. So you, you've right. got amazing technology that probably billions and billions have been spent, mostly funded by Silicon Valley investors and venture capital, that never saw really, really the light of day because they could not, you know, they could not find a buyer. The insurance company doesn't buy well, technology. It's that, it's, it's that way with a lot of patents. A lot of things get patented, great, <clears throat> great ideas, 
but nobody there to pick it up and fund it and, and carry it through and bring it into the marketplace. So the question then I've got is what what's dry is is healthcare driving technology or is technology driving healthcare? And and we've got we we've we've got a little bit of both going on based on what we've been talking about. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, one of the things that I theorize sometimes is would it have been better if the government did not mandate EMRs and just incentivize mm -hmm. the doctors, and that way you had more innovation, because what you ended up with standards that every EMR could be slightly different and still meet the standards. Right. Because their idea was we're going to give them some discretion. But by having discretion, you ended up with almost no standards. Well, okay. there are things that could be standardized, but they they didn't standardize in the right places and the right things. That, and that's what led to the interoperability issues and right. everything else. Okay. Right. So what what they're trying to do that's now, the what they're government. doing now with, with interoperability and, and HL7 and FIRE in particularly, is try to standardize the standards, okay, so that the patient's first name comes right. in as a standard no matter where it is in the EMR. Right. Okay, like I said, the, the, the first thing in the EMR could be the patient number, could be social security number, date of birth, last name, frame. It could be anything. It could be. could be birthday, date yeah, of birth. It could yeah, be, it, could it could be. It could be birthday. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things it could be. So now with FIRE, you're sort of matching the birthday to birthday. It doesn't matter where the birthday came from in the EMR 1 or where it is in EMR 2. It's birthday. It's going right to the birthday type of thing scenario. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. Um, that's that's one of the solutions for technology. So, what what has been what has been happening is technology has been trying to drive healthcare. That's it has, and it's never not, ever going to happen, and it's not worked well. It hasn't worked, and never no, worked. No. The problem that you have then on the other side is healthcare, and I mean you know global healthcare doesn't know how to use technology, so you end up having two systems that are knocking heads at each other. And one of our our philosophies and one of the discussions that we've had is that originally we talked about the first EMR was developed by, the first modern EMR, I would say, was developed by a hospital system. And then eventually they separated ways and the tech, that, that EMR system became one of the large EMRs in the country. Mm -hmm. And the hospital is still a hospital and still now battling with was basically, you know, almost a technology and innovation they created. So what, we're, what I suspect is, hap is happening or about to happen, or maybe it's already started to happen, is you're gonna have the integration of the service provider and technology together. It, you, can, you, you should not be able to separate the services from the technology. And the way I've started to describe it a little bit more is that you're gonna have much more, um, you're gonna go from treating the patient as a patient to treat him as a consumer. Mm -hmm. And and we, we, we hear the term a little bit of consumerization a lot, but I think that's really what's going to happen is we need to start treating the patient as a consumer, um, like a retail consumer, like a re like almost like if healthcare was a, was a product and not a service. Right, right. Okay? Right. Um, well, and, 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 I, and I think that's going to change both. healthcare. It's, it's both. It really, it, it, right now it really is both, but it's more the service side that gets the attention. Right, it's not, It's not. It, it, whether it's the branding, whether it's a delivery, whether it's the experience, mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't have that consistent experience. I mean, you can go, not, not only does every hospital, or should I say every hospital chain operate differently, 
many hospitals inside the hospital change operate differently. Right. And when you go back to, you know, the big EMR platforms or the Epic, Cerner, Meditech, many of them, not most, are customized to that hospital and that hospital environment. So you end up with hospital systems with the same nameplate that don't talk to each other unless they go to the interoperability in HL7, which is insanity. It is. It's crazy. That would be like, like General Motors, you know, creating Camaros, and the Camaros are slightly different to each other. Well, the other thing from a technology standpoint is that you can tell me that you've connected two EMRs between, uh, you know, it, it connected them together, you've used HL7 and everything else, and I'm going to tell you, you've lost data in that transfer. And what data did you lose? What was it? Is it critical? Is it important? Will it will it be an issue? Who knows? Because you don't know what you lost. And that's why that's why our our view and 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 I'll just shameless plug, but why we created the blockchain uh, connection between uh, patent between EMRs, so you could you could know that you had a complete set of data, and it was secure and immutable. You're you're a hundred percent right. So can I, I think can I quote you on that? You you have this recorded. That's, like, that, that, that's rare. Okay. So I think that's a really good uh, ending for this podcast, and then we'll continue in the next one, and we'll talk about much, a little bit more and drill down into uh, things like we haven't talked about uh, the, the really cool technology in hospitals, how they work for telemetry that, mm -hmm. that now can be applied towards remote patient care, right. it's same same principle. Right. It's, instead of now being wired, uh, it, we're using the, 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 the internet, you know, which is which is which is everywhere. Um, certainly also talk about uh, 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 EMRs a little bit more. Right. Um, and sort of what the future we think holds in technology. And and as we believe um, that you've got to bring back Technology into healthcare and put healthcare into technology. They they cannot be in separate buckets and and sort of the the big picture of the consumerization consumerization of healthcare. Yeah, I can't I can't step away from this dis that discussion about remote patient care without thinking of Star Trek and the tricorder. Yeah, uh, you know but, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, he uh, just run it over the. Uh, over the patient and uh, tricorder picked up everything that was going on. It was just like, uh, you know, pulling into the dealership again. So. All right. So we want to thank everyone who uh, has um, survived another one of our, uh, our podcast. And hopefully you found this one interesting. Uh, one of our favorite topics to talk about is about technology, the utilization of technology. Yeah. Um, and we are convinced that over the next uh, seven, eight decades, years that technology is going to be make a monster difference but we're not there yet so thank you very much and we'll, yes. we'll talk to you next time yep thank you thank you for listening to our podcast to learn more about our company please check out our website at oxiohealth.io that's www.oxiohealth.io